Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. In this series, host Daniel J. Marino, managing partner of Lumina, talks to top experts and thought leaders in healthcare to help you navigate on the journey to value-based care in the ever-changing landscape of the industry. The goal of this series is to bring you disruptive success strategies by leveraging Lumina's experiences, stories, and insights from working with health professionals and organizations across the country. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and any questions that are top of mind. Now let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Value-Based Care Insights. I'm your host, Daniel Marino. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the impact of the economy, of our healthcare industry, as well as COVID that is being placed on our workforce today. Many hospitals, as we've all heard, are challenged with not only keeping staff, but certainly recruiting staff. And what many hospital leaders have discovered is not only is it difficult to retain staff due to all the challenges, the clinical challenges, the burnout challenges related to taking care of patients as well as COVID, but now all of a sudden we're faced with some competition from the non-traditional providers. Most of that is related to, I think, the wage inflation that we're seeing or benefits or frankly staff just being burned out. So in joining me in today's episode is my colleague, John Malone. John and I have worked together for many years. He's a lot of experience in re-engineering operations and certainly has addressed many issues related to workforce in hospitals and health systems. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Dan. Thanks. It's great to be here and thanks for having me. So John, maybe we could start with, you know, some of these these key issues that we're seeing across the country. Before COVID hit, burnout was always an issue, particularly for physicians. And you know, we saw a certain level of burnout for instance in the nursing staff, but it seems like now post-COVID, those issues are are even much greater now and and not only is it affecting the culture of organizations, but it's really, really tough for organizations to recruit new people or to really just address some of those issues. What are some of the things that you're hearing or you're seeing across the country? Yeah, Dan, it's it's been quite a ride, hasn't it, for the last couple of years? Your point about the fact that this is not a new phenomenon, that being workforce challenges around turnover and burnout and those kinds of challenges, it's not new. Although it's definitely been increased as a result of the COVID pandemic. I think it's really important to keep in mind the broader economic context, the macroeconomic context that we're working in. The great resignation as it's referred to is truly a national phenomenon. And in in healthcare since February of 2020, hospital employment has decreased by nearly 94,000 people. And that includes a decrease of over 8,000 just recently between August and September of this year. So we're definitely seeing a broad macroeconomic impact here. But as, as we said, this is not a new phenomenon. There's been significant turnover for 
quite a period of time in both nursing and physician, in both the nursing and physician uh, professions. For example, uh, nursing turnover rose for six years preceding the pandemic. It went from 13.5% in 2013 to over 16% in 2019. And now it's, it's gone up an additional 2.8, almost 3% during the pandemic right. and was running nearly 19% at the end of 2020 for nursing. So we've seen a tremendous impact as a result of COVID, but this is a problem and a challenge that, that the industry has been facing uh, for a number of years, Dan. Well, you, you're absolutely right. And certainly be- before COVID, the turnover rate and even recruitment was a challenge. And it seemed like before COVID, you know, hospitals were competing against other healthcare providers. I can remember running my practices and we were, you know, when we were recruiting nurses or LPNs or even frontline staff, you know, we looked to recruit from other healthcare organizations. And if we lost people, we often lost people to those other healthcare organizations. But now it seems like it's really, it's different. Not only are we potentially losing people to other healthcare organizations, we're losing people to these non-traditional providers like the Amazons of the world and Google and, and so forth, who are offering incredible wages and benefits for that matter. And, and it's really creating a whole new sort of wrinkle on our ability to recruit and to retain. Yeah, it's it's multidimensional, isn't it? Because you not only have the impact in, in recent years of the pandemic, but simultaneously, all these alternative types of uh, competitors are coming into our space, creating opportunities for our staff to uh, look at new and interesting. And in some cases, they perceive those kinds of opportunities as exciting and something to, to definitely look into as part of their career progression. So it's definitely a challenge to have these these additional players come into the space. Yeah, a- absolutely right. Let, let's talk a f- for a few minutes about about burnout. You know, one of the things that we both seen, you know, for many years is that physicians in particular have been challenged with electronic medical records and you know pressures from patients and from staff to you know to address some of the clinical issues issues around productivity and so forth. So burnout with physicians, I think has, has always been there. It's something that, you know, the industry has trying to address for some time, but it also now seems like there's a lot more non-physician burnout challenges that are occurring. Any insights to, you know, maybe the, the issues of physician burnouts, what are the, some of the things that you're seeing and, and maybe, you know, what, what, are, what are some organizations doing to address those? Yeah, great question. I think it's important to start with understanding the huge impact that burnout and high turnover has in terms of the burning platform and the cost impact that that this has on our client hospitals and health systems and physician groups. You know, currently hospitals and health systems across the country are paying it's estimated 24 billion more per year for qualified clinical labor than they did pre-pandemic. So the cost of burnout 
And the, the cost of turnover is incredibly high. Oh, it's incredibly high. Absolutely. And I, I think when you see what the implications are of that related to low productivity time or the vacancy rate, turnover rate, I, I agree with you. It's incredibly high. And you know, it's estimated right now that to replace physicians on average is nearly a half a million dollars. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you, I mean, I, I can imagine that. And I think just to recruit physicians into the industry or into the organization, as well as then helping to build their practice. Yeah, you can see where that is. And I would even think that it would be higher in rural markets than it would even be in the in some of the larger metropolitan markets. Absolutely. It's a challenge everywhere. I mean, it, you have to take into consideration, and we help clients uh, think through the cost of turnover. You have to take into consideration that the, not only the recruitment costs and the sign-on bonuses, we have to consider lost billings during yeah. the transition and all the all of the costs associated with onboarding physicians. You know, it takes time to bring them up to speed. So there's there's tremendous dollars involved here. And the same goes for nursing, by the way, Dan. You know, it's it's estimated on average it costs about forty thousand dollars to replace a, a nurse and a 1% reduction in nursing turnover translates into nearly $300,000 of savings uh, for, for most organizations. So there's a way to quantify the impact of burnout and turnover and a way to cost justify and, and build you know, sort of return on investment models to justify a- addressing these issues with a whole host of solutions. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I was getting back to kind of address some burnout and I guess maybe the vacancy rate. I had an interesting conversation with one of our, our clients. She was a vice president of, of human resources, and they were doing some really interesting things. One, they were really focusing on giving middle managers more of the ability to to address some of these issues with burnout and some of these staff-related issues. But the interesting thing that she had mentioned to me was that they had they had a pretty good, pretty high vacancy rate. I think they were talking in some departments, it was about eight, nine percent. And although they were recruiting for that, the approach that they were trying to take was one around re-engineering their operations, putting in place some aspects of, say, you know, improved operational effectiveness that helped them perform more efficiently and almost redesigning their operations to the current staffing levels, as opposed to focusing on 100% on, on recruitment. I thought that was an interesting approach. Are you hearing any of this? What, what are your thoughts with that? Yeah, that's that's an excellent example of an organization that's that's already moved beyond the, the traditional solutions to these kinds of challenges. And what I mean by that is the the first thing that comes to mind for most people is let's throw more money at the problem. Let's right. let's, pay, let's pay more. Let's in, improve our total rewards package to include better. You know, let's look at benefits and bonuses and profit sharing and those kinds of ideas, incentives. And let's make it all about the sort of the traditional HR solutions, if you will. But what we're finding now is that the 
the, the challenges have become so acute that organizations have to move beyond those traditional solutions. And like in the example you gave, empowering uh, frontline supervisors and managers is an incredibly important and creative uh, step that organizations can take to improve burnout, retention, turnover, all of the issues, because the most important person to an employee in terms of their job satisfaction and engagement is their direct supervisor. It's right. Their, yep. that, Absolutely. They're always the most important person. So if an organization can empower those individuals, the frontline supervisors, to a new degree where they have the ability and they're empowered to identify one-on-one with the groups that they supervise, what their challenges are, what their needs are, listen to them, hear their needs, and and be creative in terms of finding solutions and, and, and letting them find solutions independent of having to go up the chain for eight levels of approval. Um, has has really made a positive impact for some of our clients. Yeah, I I agree. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think empowering the middle managers to make some of those decisions. I mean, frankly, they're living those operations issues, you know, day in and day out, and they're the ones who, frankly, either know how to solve the problem or, if given the right tools, can easily solve the problem. But but I think if you're if we're thinking about really addressing some of the workforce related issues, right? And we, we talked a little bit about what some of those were around turnover rate and vacancy rate and burnout and competitive nature and, and culture, which is one thing I want to address in a second. I really think we need to take an innovative approach on how we're going to address this. And in my mind, it comes down to three things. It comes down to the technology. And if we can implement technology to make things more efficient, that's going to help. It's going to come down to re-engineering our operations. And if we can think about how to do things different, maybe like implementing a strong call center as opposed to doing registrations and scheduling at every single location, you know, that, that's one way of being able to, to think through it. And then a third is this training, giving the right level of training, giving the right level of tools, empowering the staff to make decisions so, so they feel like they have a sense of ownership. Those are things in my mind, John, that really are, are, are what's going to be needed to address these workforce issues. Absolutely. Um, you know, connecting that, empowering the supervisor to those, those things you just outlined, it, it's, it's really clear that employees, when listened to, not only make it about their individual needs, but they also come up with great ideas and suggestions for improving workflow improving the, the, the work environment and trying to create an overall better process for employees and providers and patients. So one example that, that comes to mind, building on your thought around improving technology and improving process flows, we had a, a recent client, a large urban teaching hospital in the Midwest that had identified uh, for physicians, their number one dissatisfier was the administrative workload that they had to that they had to do every day, especially related to their EHR inbox, and they identified that a lot of physician burnout and dissatisfaction is coming from physicians not having enough time with patients because they were spending so much time in their inbox, and so they've been looking at ways of 
standardizing workflows and moving work uh, processes down to the appropriate level of skill and resource. And in, in some cases, having MAs do uh, some more of the documentation in support of the providers under their direction. There's a lot that can be done in that space. And in fact, there's new best practices emerging in terms of that kind of process flow that we can help organizations uh, look at and, and consider for in terms of the solutions that might help them with their physician burnout and uh, dissatisfaction. Well, that, that's a great example because I'll tell you, I have a lot of physician friends and <laughs> the number one bane of their existence is their EHR inbox. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I was talking to a one friend of mine and, uh, you know, she's got a great practice, but God, day in and day out, she's, she's clearing out her inbox till 10 or 1030 at night. And, you know, how, how long can you do that before that just, it just overtakes you, you know, it's just, it, it's just a killer. So one of the things that I want to also address is a lot of times through the conversations I'm having with leaders, they recognize that they have a problem, right? That workforce is an issue, turnover rate is high, um, you know, their vacancy rate is high, they're having trouble recruiting. But one of the the big challenges that have been been asked of of me in particular is how do they know where the root problem is? Where do they, how can they figure out what the cause is? And, you know, many strong leaders recognize that you can't just solve for the symptom, you need to solve for the cause. Any thoughts there in terms of some approaches that that leaders could take to start identifying where some of these issues really, really resort from? Absolutely. So I'll speak to it in two parts, sort of um, overall what best practices are. And then secondly, I'll, I'll uh, make mention of a particular tool that we have that, that may be helpful to some organizations. Generally, in terms of best practices, you want to use, and I think we mentioned this earlier, you want to use a data-driven approach to ensure that the key workforce metrics that you're using are accurate, that they're understood by management, and that they're, they're accurate enough that they can be used to set improvement targets so that you can see uh, the improvement and the impact uh, on these metrics. You can see the meet the, sorry, you can see the needle move, if you will, right. on the improvement in these. The second is you got to listen, listen, and listen. Survey, focus groups, exit interviews. You really need to understand the, the needs by staff and by staff type. You, you kind of need to segment your employee groups, kind of like you segment your market and really understand their unique and specific needs. And then tailor retention strategies uh, to those specific needs. Now, obviously, your medical staff is going to be different than your nursing staff, which is going to be different than your frontline employees. So there's a a, a need to understand those differences. And then you want to build solutions and test those solutions with impacted employee groups and build those solutions jointly with them. And this is especially true with medical staff. If you're trying to solve burnout and turnover challenges and and listen to their needs and build solutions specifically targeted to those needs, they need to be in the room when you're developing the solutions. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to engage them is the only way to do it because then, you know, if not, then you're creating something around them and they're not going to have the buy-in, they're not going to understand it, and certainly they're not going to be successful with it. Yeah, exactly. So so those are sort of some of the higher level uh, best practices that you know, need to be incorporated into 
any kind of uh, a solution design and implementation. We have come up with a medical group workforce assessment. Uh, in general, uh, it's a workforce assessment that does a flash discovery, identifying what the issues are and suggests some potential rapid improvement opportunities and focuses on operational effectiveness. So with this, you can get great measures that are accurate, identifying and quantifying the scope of the problem, and then some potential uh, quick hit solutions that can be implemented that will um, kind of get you on your way to developing uh, longer term um, solutions. Well, at least something like that, a tool helps you quickly spot check what's occurring, but probably more importantly, begin to help identify where where some of those root cause issues are occurring. And, And that's frankly what you have to address. For the last couple of minutes, talk about culture. You know, culture is an issue that every organization Every leader you talk to is always focused on improving or enhancing the culture of their organization. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of literature out there that says a positive, fulfilling culture is obviously drives a lot of high performance for the organization. How do you start to address the culture issues related to some of these challenges around workforce? I like to think of I like to think of culture as behavior, uh, the observable behavior that uh, determines or you know organizational effectiveness, uh, employee and physician uh, nursing satisfaction, and patient satisfaction. A, a great example of that is the work that we've done on the West Coast with a large university teaching hospital in their nursing organization. They had uh, become extremely decentralized, which um, resulted in unit managers having full control over uh, and and broad decision-making freedom over staffing productivity and workflow processes. And so that resulted in quite a a wide range of productivity, turnover, staff, and patient satisfaction from unit to unit. And the, the, the nursing organization decided that that was a, a cultural norm to allow their their managers that kind of freedom, but that it had become a negative in the sense that it was that it was too decentralized. And so their their culture change was to work on bringing together those those units, determining the best practices from across the organization internally, and then beginning to standardize on those to create a more consistent approach on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great example on how the operational impact and some of the changes would, would impact culture. And I I really believe that, you know, with, with any type of an assessment, any type of enhancement that you're going to make to workforce, you have to keep the culture in mind. I think by doing that, it really helps you make some quick strides. Well, John, this this has been great. I appreciate your time. Clearly, you got a lot of insight on this and and definitely an area that you're passionate about. I I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts or piece of advice that you may have for our listeners related to maybe addressing some of these workforce issues? Well, yeah, I, I guess we could go on for a long time on this, but just to reinforce that last point around culture, you know, even even just changing the way the organization approaches 
addressing burnout and turnover is a culture change in the sense that if you start using data better and start using technology better and start listening more intently to the needs of of your employee groups then you're you're by definition you're doing things you're you're changing your behavior to be more attentive to those needs and and that's that's just a great example of how you can really uh, move the needle uh, in your organization oh absolutely absolutely well John, I, w- I want to thank you again for joining us today. Clearly, workforce, if it's not the top issue in hospital and healthcare systems, its it's got to be in the top five, no doubt about that. So thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. So as John mentioned, a couple of key things that I think were really relevant in our discussion, and it's really around how we not only identify issues of workforce, but address some of those issues, in particular burnout. And thinking about it in terms of staff burnout and and physician burnout, obviously recruitment and retention is going to be a a big issue, and then really addressing the issues of culture. But if you think about it, we have to think about doing things differently if we're really going to resolve the issues of workforce. Post-COVID is going to be different than pre-COVID. And we have to think about re-engineering our operations different and, frankly, just delivering care differently. And it really comes down to the the three things we talked about, advancing technology, re-engineering our operations, and then really uh, giving or empowering our middle managers and our teams to really solve these problems. I know this is going to be a topic we're going to talk about again into the future. So if anybody has any thoughts or comments, please don't hesitate to share. Always love to hear comments. Again, I'd like to thank my colleague, John Malone, for joining me today. And until next time, I'm Daniel Marino. Be safe, be well, have a great day. We want to thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights Podcast by Lumina Health Partners. Lumina is your partner on a journey to value-based care and all the pivots and challenges our industry faces daily. To learn more about us, visit us on LuminaHP.com. If you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and leave us feedback. Be sure to check out our show notes at LuminaHP.com insights. Join us again where we continue to take a deep dive into what lies ahead and invite conversations with some of our colleagues and industry thought leaders on new trends that are emerging and how we continue to navigate and thrive. Until then, have a great day and stay safe.